Welcome to the Idea Climbing Podcast. Altruism can be a powerful force in your life if you understand how to practice it. That's what I discuss with my guests, Sandy Gennaro. Sandy is a world-class speaker, drummer, author, coach, who has recorded and toured with several globally known artists. Sandy has been recognized by Vistage International as one of the top new speakers of 2021 and is proud to announce the release of his book entitled Beat the Odds in Business and Life. In this episode, Sandy shares life-changing experiences that happened because of altruism and how you can create opportunities for yourself. We discuss why altruism is more than just random acts of kindness and why it's a way of life, how to maintain your enthusiasm in giving nature in the face of adversity, how to jumpstart altruism in your life, and more golden nuggets of advice. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you, Sandy, for being here. I appreciate you making the time. I appreciate it, Mark. Thanks for having me. And I love to jump right in. We're going to talk about some stories in your book. The bigger theme, though, that I love about your book and our past conversations is altruism. It was so woven in. You speak about it so highly. How did you, why why is altruism so important to you? How did you discover it? What's the story there? Okay, how I discovered it, how I discovered altruism is sitting around at my dinner table with my parents. And my parents were, especially my mother was religious. She, I was raised a Catholic. She was a staunch Catholic. But so I was always had conversations around the dinner table as a child about how to treat other people. You treat other people the way you want to be treated if you were in their shoes regardless of their color, regardless of their political affiliation, regardless of their sexual affiliation, regardless of, you know, the nationality or whatever, regardless of their status on the financial totem pole, if you will, if they're poor, rich, whatever, um, you treat everybody the same because we all have a little bit of a God energy inside of us and it's called a soul. And that's what makes all human beings on the same level, basically, in terms of uh, the deserving of a common amount of respect because we're all human beings and we all have a little bit of the God energy inside of us. So I was taught at a very young age to think outside yourself. If you see somebody needing help, if you if whatever, always be willing to help. You don't do it this, for this reason, but if you help somebody in a positive way, uh, it comes back to you. You know, so I, I believe in a, in a revolving door of you send out altruistic thoughts, you think outside yourself and the higher power, the power greater than ourselves that put that little spark of himself or the God energy inside of us. Uh, in combination to how you think about people and how you think about outside events, thinking in a positive mindset, that's how we beat the odds in business and in life. Thinking outside yourself, it's, it's shine the spotlight on others. It's not about you. And, and that's, that actually, that altruistic attitude actually carries over to my drumming when I drum for an artist. It's basically, I serve the song. It's not about shining the spotlight on me with doing fills and, 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 and it, you know, hey, look at me, ain't I a great drummer? And whatever, whatever. <laughs> I serve the song and I serve the artist that I work for. So it, it's a trickle down thing. And it basically, it's a common thread of how, how basically I live my life. And, and I can attribute that fact, again, I'm repeating myself, 
But that fact, thinking outside yourself and looking for ways to service other people, and even if it's putting a smile on somebody's face in a supermarket or something, and in combination, in combination of, of how we, our positive attitude. And basically, that's how I beat the odds in business and in life. And it's, it's not a very difficult formula to follow. It's basically just look for ways, be, keep your eyes open and look for ways how you can help people or how you can advise people or how you can just put a smile on somebody's face. Not going too much into detail, but I think it's even important to have positive thoughts. I personally, Mark, when I hear an ambulance go by my house or I see an accident on the side of the road, I just have positive thoughts sent to that person that's in the accident or hopefully the firing ain't affecting somebody's life. Um, you know, so it's just, it's just positive thoughts, sending positive thoughts out and looking for ways how to put a smile on somebody's face or give them life-saving advice or career advice or whatever. It's not all about you and you know, and you need the help of the higher power the assistance of the higher power, which all of us has a little spark of the, the God energy inside of us when we well, were born. With altruism, I like what you would, you would also mentioned, a ripple effect or a domino effect. You don't expect it. You don't do something with an ulterior motive. You just put it out there. But at the same time, it's not just token where, oh, I'm just going to be nice all day and nothing's ever going to come back to me. There is a domino effect, a ripple effect, and it can come back to you. And I think I love the story of Dave in the doorway. Nice. So I, because it's you, you spoke about a few things. A small thing can end up with a huge effect down the line. You don't expect the huge effect. You do 10 small things, but that one thing that comes back to you, oh my God, rewards. Could you tell it's me the Dave it, in the it doorway? Could, it could change your life. And basically, if you like to hear an edited version of the Dave in the Doorway story, basically, I was playing a arena with the Pat Travers Band in 1981. It was in Hartford, Connecticut, 1981, I believe. I think it was 81 or early 82. And it was a hot summer gig. We were all in the dress room getting our stuff together because we had to get on the bus right away because it was a long overnight drive. This is after the show, obviously. And I'm always the last one out of the dress room because I usually change all the way down to my undies. I sweat, whatever. And I was the last one in the dressing room. And I see this, I'm, I'm rushing around getting my stuff together. And I see this guy in the doorway and he's got a camera and a pen. So I had a couple of choices there. I could have just blew by him. I could have just acknowledged him and said, listen, I can't really do anything. I'm in a hurry, but I stopped, I stopped for him because I realized that he's there to see the drummer. He's there to see me, the guy who's Pat Travers, the name who's on the marquee, he's already on the bus. So I thought that was kind of interesting that he's looking, wanted to see me and wanted my autograph. And I always thought it was kind of novel, the, the, the attraction of somebody wanting somebody to sign their name on a piece of paper and they value that. Uh, the whole concept of an autograph. And I used to walk around the mall when I was 15. And uh, my mother used to, with my mom, 15, 14 years old, and I had the hair and, and the, the you know, she, she, under, she said, I understand the hair, Sandy. I understand you dressing like Keith Richards or whatever, but why do you carry a pen? And I said, <laughs> well, Ma, in case anybody asks for my autograph. You know, oh, so as I, we all do when we're 15. <laughs> no, no kidding. So I, I, 
I engaged this guy uh, and I said, what can I do for you, man? I'm in a real big hurry. And he said, can you sign this for me? I think you're a great drummer, blah, blah, blah. So I, I get, what's your name? He goes, Dave. I signed the pitch, uh, signed the, the autograph. And I said, okay, Dave, I got to go. He goes, one more thing. Could you take a picture with me? And I said, okay, hurry up. And he took a picture. And I, and I said, Dave, I really got to go, man. I'm in a hurry. And I see my road manager over his shoulder going, come on, Sandy, we got to go. He said, one more thing, Sandy, can you help me get a gig in New York City? Because I'm a bass player here in Connecticut. Um, I said, Dave, I can't really recommend you unless I hear you play. So here's my business card. It's got my home address, my home, my home number on it. Just send me a cassette of your playing and I'll, I'll see what I can do as far as recommending you. And he couldn't believe I was giving him my home number. This is your home number. I can't. He went on and on about he could find it, found it very difficult to believe that I'm giving him my home number and my home address. I said, it's no big deal, Dave. I gave it to him. He was very, very um, appreciative. I left. I got off the road after that tour, and there's his cassette sitting sitting in the mail. Um, I listened to it. It wasn't that good. I recommended him. I kept my promise, but nothing really occurred in, in result of that. And um, about two years after that, in the fall of 83, he called me and he goes, hey, Sandy, uh, thanks for recommending me uh, and whatever and, and spending the time or whatever. Um, I realized nothing happened regarding my bass player gig. But listen, better things happen because I'm managing this girl now. She's going to be the biggest thing in 1984. I want you to join her band. I said, Dave, I'm coming off an arena tour. I can't join a baby band. She said, he said, just come down to the studio. We're doing our first record. I want you to hear some of the songs we're working on. You can make a decision from there. So I went ahead, went down to the studio. I walked in and it was Cindy Lauper who's doing that first record. And she said to me, um, you know, obviously Dave told her about me. And so I ended, long story short, I ended up as a result of hearing some of the songs and I played the side stick on time after song, time after time. Um, she said to me, um, I ended up joining the band and doing the tour. And uh, in November of that, she did become a household name. And Dave did take care of us like he promised. He took care of the band. And, um, but it was a leap of faith. I didn't know it was going to happen. But I heard some of the songs. And I, I looked at this woman and how she looked and how her voice sounded. And the stuff, really poppy, catchy songs. And I decided to join the band based on that. Eight months later, November, I joined the band in like November of... 83 we went on the road all of 84 november of 84 i meet a woman backstage long story short she ends up being we started seeing each other we uh she we got we started seeing each other uh in in November, started seeing each other in november of 84 the night we met we started dating or whatever we saw each other long distance because i was on the road and um november of 85 she moved up to new york she was this i met her in charlotte North Carolina, November 23rd, 1984. She moved up November of 85. We got married in 1990. We had our daughter in 1994, and we're still together 38 years later. That is so, a heck of a ripple effect. That's a, a basic, it, it's a, a life-changing ripple effect. It's not, and you know what, uh, Mark, uh, every single gig, almost every single gig I've, uh, I've ever gotten in my whole life was been has been as a result of me having a relationship with somebody, me doing a favor for somebody, and then coming back months, years later, hey, you wanna, I did a favor for this bass player that was 
needed a, a, um, a, a drummer for a, a, an oldies gig. And I did him a favor. It was, it was hardly any money. I had to bring my own drums. It was in the middle of the winter. Long story short, three months later, he gets the musical director gig for the Monkees and asked me, hey, man, you really helped me out. You bailed me out that, 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 in that oldies gig. I want you to be the drummer in the Monkees because we got along really well. And I ended up doing almost every Monkey reunion tour from 87 until Davy Jones passed away in 2012. So that was a tremendous lucrative situation because I did somebody a favor. Well, I know we also talked about you, you alluded to it without saying it, saying yes to opportunities. And if someone's listening now and they're thinking, so I just have to be nice to everyone. I mean, how do you know where to draw the line? Because you could, you could just go and be nice to everyone and burn up, burn yourself out by being nice to everyone. When do you say no? How do you know when to say yes? You can't, I, I don't, I don't, I personally, being nice, being a nice, pleasant person and looking for ways to help people or treat people right with respect is a way of life. It's not something that you turn on and turn off. It's, it's the way, it's the way of life. And, and again, like you mentioned, you don't do it for anything in return. Well, I don't feel like being nice today. No, I, I, I'm not, I'm in a bad mood. I don't feel like. No, it's not about that. It's having getting up in the morning and going to sleep and everything at night and going to sleep and everything in between. You look for ways, keep your eyes open for ways to help people. And it's a it's a it's a state of mind. It's not something that you turn off and turn on. So, so you just it becomes part of your daily habits and you just do it. You have, I'd imagine you eventually just start doing it on autopilot because that's just who you are. That's correct. That's exactly it. And, and you know, sometimes, and again, depending on your upbringing, it depends on the conversations you heard around the dinner table when you were growing up. Sometimes it's, it's difficult. Sometimes, you know, maybe, maybe some unfortunate person was raised around a table of surrounded by hatred with hatred conversations and, and, you know, political us against them conversations or whatever. So, it depends on the environment in which you're grown up. Again, I, I had, I had a very good foundation growing up. I was very fortunate to have that instilled with in me from a very, very young age, you know, it, it, it's, uh, again, so, but it's not difficult. It's, it's sometimes it is difficult to change if you're raised in a negative environment, but it's not impossible. And I know a lot of people, you know, on a, on a very surface level, you have people that were born to crack addicted mothers where they, they don't know who the father is and they ended up being senators. And then mm -hmm. you end up, then you have people that were born in a very um, wealthy environment and maybe uh, they end up to be, you know, addicted to fentanyl or something. You know what I mean? So it, it's, there are there are situations where you you're not fortunate enough to be raised in a positive environment, but there are ways to change. So if there if there's ways to change, and someone's thinking right now, listening to this, okay, I get it, but um, if the, I'm going to be honest, not me, but someone listening, yeah, they're they're going to be honest. They're not really altruistic. They want to get started. I mean, what do you do, what do you do? Just I mean, is it put on a happy face? I mean, what is this that step of I'm going to move start being more altruistic, and I, I need and I'm not right now, but I need to be. 
Okay, a very, very easy way to get started, and I do this all the time. Very easy way to get started. You know, you can be in a lousy mood, and you're in a supermarket, and you're in the checkout line, and you see the person going beep, checking your groceries through the scanner. Well, you know what? Next time you're in a grocery store, and and you're at and being your groceries are being scanned. Look at the person's name tag that's scanning your groceries, and say, "Hey, uh, hey, Mary, how you doing today?" Oh, well, I'm fine. Well, Mary, how, how much time you got, got left at work? What are, you, what are your plans for the evening? Well, I think I'm going to watch, uh, you know, an, an episode of whatever. And I go, well, I hope you have a good time, Mary. You know, it's, and, you know, and you put a smile on somebody's face. And when you do that, you end up feeling good. You, it ends up making you feel good when you put a smile on somebody's face. So even if it's something that trivial, that doesn't really mean a hill of beans, that doesn't lead to anything, it's just a positive way to start thinking about being altruistic. And to start getting there more, let's take it a step further. How can people keep their enthusiasm in the face of adversity? Because everyone life goes ebbs and flows with good and bad. How, if something they're not in the best spot, adversity hits. What do they do to keep positive? Well, I do. I can only tell you what I do to keep positive. And you know, when adversity hits, when problems happen, I try to learn how to do something different. If if the, if adversity happens, you try and you have problems in getting to your goal or whatever. Well, maybe you're not ready to go to, to, to do what you want to do. Maybe, maybe the God energy is telling you, well, you got to, you got to, uh, you know, uh, toil in the bunkers for a while. You have to, you, you know, you're not ready to go to the next level. Listen, when I was playing clubs that smelled like cat pee for years and years and years in New York City, and I, a lot of times I wondered, well, when are we going to go to the next level? When am I going to go to the next level? I'm paying my dues. Well, maybe I wasn't ready to go to the next level. Maybe there was a lesson I needed to learn. So you look at problems as learning experiences, not not as the universe trying to push you down. You mm-hmm. ask yourself, you ask yourself, what can I learn from this adversity? What can I learn from this adversity? And you know what? You're, you're going to wake up tomorrow. You're not going to die from the adversity. You learn from it. And what doesn't kill you makes you better. And that was a, I forget, it was, I think it was a Bruce Willis uh, quote, which I, I absolutely believe is true. What, what doesn't kill you makes you better. You're going to have to live your life beyond the adversity. You're not going to die. Your life is not going to end. So you're going to have to either suck up to it and learn from it and move beyond it or over it, around it, under it, and get through it, the adversity. And when you get through the adversity, Mark, I believe that your self-esteem to overcome problems becomes stronger. Well, I, you look back on your past. Well, I overcame that. I overcame that. I got through that adversity what what's to what's to prevent me from going through this adversity well i would imagine one thing that would help is it's who you surround yourself with the relationships who you can lean on who you can support and i know you said acts of acts of kindness and altruism create positive relationships can you speak to the importance of that because if you're hanging around a bunch of down you know debbie downers it's not going to help what's That's talk correct. about that I try. I, I totally believe that is that who you know, birds of a feather flock together. Well, there's no truer statement, I think, and I think it's true. And you know, if you wanna, if you wanna have a pity party, well, you call other people that have pity parties, and you you <laughs> wallow, you wallow in the pity party together. You know, but if you if you 
make a point of being around positive people. Mm-hmm. And if you're around people that even if it's a lifelong friend, and I know some friends, unfortunately, because of the political environment, that one friend likes one candidate and another friend likes another candidate, and they fight to the point where they be, don't become friends anymore. And it's like, what's what's that about? You, the relationship because you disagree about a political affiliation, you, 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 you're throwing away a friendship. So it's like, listen, if you're if you hang around with negative people, they're going to drag you down. You know, you they, they're going to join your pity party. And if even if you're a friend, if they're negative, you know, goodbye. I, I, I don't I try not to associate myself with the, with somebody else that's in, engaged in a pity party, you know, so. Well, we've covered a lot in a short period of time when it comes to altruism. What's the most important reason to be altruistic? You could repeat something you said and reiterate. It might be something we haven't touched on. But if someone says, okay, let's just break it down to one thing, the importance of altruism. Why is it so important? Um, I think I think basically that is our purpose on this planet without getting too philosophical about it. I think that is our purpose on this planet is how we relate to other human beings and how we not only how we relate to the human beings, because I, I think our role as human beings is to build other people up, whether it's giving them a smile or giving them life changing advice that that it gives them, you know, that great life changing career advice or advice that leads to positive things. That's our role. And I think without, again, without getting too philosophical and religious, this has nothing to do with religion. It has something to do with aligning with the God energy that we have inside of us, which is called the soul. And when we align, and that's all about positive positivity. It's all about altruism. And when we align with that positive energy, I believe that when we're pushing up daisies or we're in an urn on somebody's mantle, I think that's how we're going to be judged, is how we made people feel when, when we cross their path. That's how we're going to be judged, because all the money and our bank accounts and our gold records and our platinum records in the wall and our Hall of Fame and all of that stays here when, we, when our time is up on this planet. And how we're going to be judged? Is this all we're going to do on this earth? Is like you know, fight pandemics and think about the the war in the Ukraine? No, it's not. It's how we treat other people. To me, that is the main thing. Yes, it's important to make money. It's important, but that shouldn't be your goal in life. You shouldn't step on other people to make money. Nobody wants their checking account on their tombstone. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like loving father, devoted mother, lo- you know, um, you know, uh, whatever, you know, it's how we treat people, Mark. It's, it doesn't go, it doesn't get any more complicated than that. That is a beautiful way to close. Thank you so much for your time, Sandy. I really appreciate this. I appreciate your time, Mark. I appreciate you and your time and what you do and spreading the positivity. And I wish you nothing but the best. Thank you. And if people want to find out more about you or find you online, what's the best way to do it? Well, they can go to my website, which is Sandy Gennaro, G-E-N-N-A-R-O.com. And on the website, you'll see a lot about my speaking. You go away to get a signed copy of my book. Or I'm on Facebook under my name. I'm on Instagram under my name. I'm on LinkedIn under my name. So anyway, they, they want to find me on those three social media sites. And um, 
and or my website. They're welcome to to I'm well, you know, any questions, comments about this. I welcome correspondence from all the listeners that are listening to this. That's very generous. Thank you again, Sandy. Anytime, Mark. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I also hope that you'll subscribe to the Idea Climbing podcast and rate us on iTunes. Visit ideaclimbing.com to learn more about idea climbing and hear more episodes about mentoring, marketing, and big ideas.